Well, good morning, Grace Church. Happy Sunday to you. Thanks for having me as a guest today. Wish I could be there in person, but hey, you're not there either, so here we go. Let's jump right in. There's a great 14th century proverb that goes like this. Great oaks from tiny acorns grow. You've probably heard that before. Say that with me. Great oaks from tiny acorns grow. That proverb just simply summarizes how a tiny little acorn has the potential to produce a massive oak tree that lives for hundreds of years. All that is locked up in that tiny little seemingly insignificant acorn. Now what I hope to show you today is that spiritually speaking, that is also true. There is inestimable power in small steps of obedience to God. In other words, when the Spirit of God prompts a soul to do something, we just never know what might be at stake through our trusting God enough to step out and actually do it. All right, let me just pose a series of rhetorical questions for you this morning. First one is, what would have happened if Moses, with a million Hebrews standing behind him, looks out at the Red Sea and says, yeah, no, we're not doing that. Are you crazy? We'll all drown. What if, what would have happened if Abraham, after hearing God's promise that he would have a son after the age of 75 at some point in time, what if he responded by saying, ha, that's a good one. <laughs> a son? Me at my age? Come on. All I'm looking for is a decent medical plan. Or what would have happened if Noah, after getting the lowdown from God about a supposed flood that's coming their way, what if he responded by saying, huh? What's rain? And you want me to build a boat how big? Miles from the ocean? And you want me to put what on it? You got to be kidding me. I don't think so. That makes no sense whatsoever. Well, what would happen if David had looked across at the giant Goliath and said, yeah, no, that dude is scary looking. You can forget it. No thanks. No thanks. What would have happened if Esther, if she says, so you want, let me understand this correctly. You want me to barge into the king's court uninvited and then accuse his second in command right there in front of everybody in the court? <laughs> I don't think so. What would have happened if Peter looked out across the water at Jesus, who's standing on a wave and says, wait, wait a minute. You want me to come out there with you on the water? Are you nuts? I can't do that. Besides, even if I could, I got a belly full of hummus and flatbread and you've got to wait an hour. You're supposed to wait an hour before going in the water. Everybody knows that. Well, big steps of faith, small steps of faith. They fill the pages of this book, friends. We don't know exactly what history would look like had these men and women of God chosen comfort or logic instead of stepping out in faith according to the promptings of God. But we do know, friends, we do know that every one of these steps of faith led to incredible breakthroughs, each and every one of them. What I wonder today is this, how often do we stand at these critical crossroad moments and not even realize it? I mean, God prompts us all the time. We believe that. I mean, he may not call you to de defy an army or step out on the water, but I bet he'll challenge you to deny your flesh and step out in faith. And you don't know what's at stake by your obeying or disobeying in those critical moments. Well, on July 20th, 1971, my dad and my brother Jim drove from our house in suburban New Jersey up to a country club not far away, a golf course called Hayworth Country Club. 
that night that they were having a banquet with a very special speaker. It was a guy who played on the PGA Tour. His name was Kermit Zarley. Not a Tiger Woods or an Arnold Palmer when it comes to fame, but he was a successful long-term tour player with some good wins along the way. Now listen, anybody who makes it onto the PGA Tour is a big deal in the eyes of amateur golfers everywhere. So they looked forward to meeting him and hearing whatever it was that he had to say. Well, the, the banquet room was filled with golf enthusiasts that night, and when Kermit got up to speak, turns out it wasn't all about golf. It was also a little bit about God. Kermit was a smart guy. He was a published author, and he was a bona fide seeker of truth. And he talked a little bit about how he'd found a real relationship with God through Jesus, and it had radically changed his life for the better. Said he was a new person. Well, to a young dad and his younger teenage son, who knew only a cold, obligation-oriented tradi religious tradition, well, this was all brand new to them. Matter of fact, afterwards, when Kermit was signing autographs, he signed his name on the back of their banquet card, and under it he wrote, John 3.16. John 3.16. That might be familiar to many of us, but it certainly wasn't to them. Neither Dad nor Jim had any idea what that even was. So they asked someone there, and they told him it was a Bible verse. So when they got home, found a Bible and looked it up. And that verse, friends, as you probably know, simply says these words. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Reading that single verse turned my dad into a seeker. From that point on, he began searching, reading, investigating faith beyond what he had ever experienced or learned as a lifelong Catholic man. The truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, began to sink in and take root in him. The truth that although every person has sinned and fallen short of God's perfection, God chose not to just leave us there, but instead he sent his son Jesus to come and live a perfect life and die a sacrificial death for the people that God loves so much and would never, ever, ever give up on. And all that God asks is that we believe in the truth of his son Jesus, that we receive his forgiveness by faith, and we put him at the center of our lives. Well, after about a year of hardcore seeking, Dad was convinced that Jesus indeed was who he said he was, the Son of God, come to offer forgiveness and new life to all and anyone who would come to him by faith. And after months and months of inner battle, the day just finally came where Dad would not or could not put it off any longer. He just pulled his car over to the side of the road. He bowed his head and he stumbled his way through a prayer to receive Jesus personally, a prayer that many of us watching have prayed in the decades since that day. So here's a question. Did it begin for Dad on the side of that road? No. Did it begin for Dad in church? No. Did it begin for Dad by him reading a Christian book or something like that? No, again, no. For Dad, it all began when a professional golfer took a seemingly small, insignificant step of faith when signing an autograph. That's it. Instead of just moving the autograph line along and getting on with his night, Kermit Zarley took a very small step and added a brief witness for his Savior Jesus by simply writing John 3.16. He just used his influence to point someone else towards Jesus. That step changed my dad's life 50 years ago. 
He was never the same. And I know that some folks who pray that salvation prayer never really get all that serious about letting God have his way in their life. Dad was not that kind of person. No, no. He was all in. And he grew in his love for God and his knowledge of God quickly and steadily. Some folks are, listen, I know some folks are very shy and private about their faith. Not dad. Before long, everyone he knew knew that something significant had happened that changed his life. Great oaks from tiny acorns grow. Very soon after, that tiny little seed of faith that was planted by that golf pro was already becoming a great oak and in what seemed like record time. All seven of us kids began hearing, Jesus is the way, he's the only way. He's changed my life, given me brand new life and what he's done for me, he will do for you. We heard this over and over and over again. Dad was an excited, enthusiastic believer and he was growing quickly. And as a consummate people person, his friendly, open and outgoing manner with others was just real easy for others to receive. So he began leading people around him to Jesus. That seemed, I know, that seems very, very difficult for lots of people. It was not difficult for dad. It was as natural as the sun rising and setting. Now think about this. We all saw the, the impact of exponential growth when it came to the coronavirus, didn't we? I mean, some of you guys at Grace Church right now are experiencing this. You know, the, we saw the graphs of how the, the virus spreads exponential in all kind of di different directions from one person outward. It was staggering. Well, this began happening in a good way, in a spiritual way from dad outwards. Dad was the primary influencer in leading me to Jesus as a teenager. And the people that he led to the Lord began leading other people to the Lord, including me, including my mom and my brothers and my sisters. We just shared with those around us what God was doing in our lives. God's miraculous work was multiplying. I friends, I watched this happen all around me. Great oaks from tiny acorns grow. There is inestimable power in small steps of obedience to God. Well, then something happened, friends, that put all this on steroids, no kidding. Dad had been suffering from debilitating rheumatoid arthritis so badly that he'd had multiple surgeries to try to curb its devastating effects. And Dad was a multi-sport athlete all through his life. He was a four-sport four athlete in high school. You know what it's like for an elite athlete to have his body slowly taken from him while he's still in his 30s? He hadn't even peaked athletically until he was in his late 20s. Now, not only will his basketball and his running and his golf and tennis be taken from him permanently, but the medical specialist said to him that in five years, he would never walk again. So spiritually, dad's on cloud nine. But physically speaking, the future looked very, very dim. Well, one night, Dad went to a Christian gathering in a hotel ballroom in Orlando, Florida. It's the old Hilton Hotel. It's not even there anymore, downtown Orlando. And the speaker at that place talked about God's power to heal, like really physically heal physical bodies for real. And the way he posed it, he said, is anybody here sick and tired of your disease and you want to trust God to reach out and touch you and heal you? Well, boom, Dad just said, I believe. I believe. He was prayed for that night, and guess what? God healed him. 
God healed him. He went from having regular cortisone shots, surgeries, and 22 aspirin a day to keep swelling down to nothing. Overnight, nothing. They said he'd never walk again. Well, he played tennis and golf for 40 more years. 40 more years. Well, needless to say, Dad's story of his salvation and now his healing was powerful to hear. And Dad said that he would share his story any place, anytime, in front of anyone. And he did. From churches to golf tournaments to auditoriums and hotel ballrooms and people's living rooms, Dad shared his story hundreds of times over. And people came to Jesus who led others to Jesus, who led others to Jesus, who led others to Jesus. Dad shared his experience for the next 40 years. He even wrote a book about how to reach out to personally to friends. And there are people that are watching this video who have read that book. Uh, the only downside of that book is that I'm on the cover of it, like pre-gray hair chip. If you get past that, it's great. But the book is actually called Leading Your Golfing Friend to Christ. It's pretty straightforward. No one has ever asked me what the book is about. It's, it's right there. But in that book, Dad relates his experiences of talking about Jesus to the golfers that he played with over the decades. Because most golfers, honestly, hang out in a, a foursome of friends that play together all the time. Dad didn't do that. He would just go to a local golf course and pick up a game with whoever was there. And there, he did this simply for the purpose of seeing whatever God might do. And he figured this way. He said, four hours of walking the fairway with somebody, talking, who knows what God might do in that time. A lot of times the other player would be open and they would receive what dad had to say about having a friendship with Jesus. Sometimes they'd be closed off, but not very often. Now dad had a way with people. He was genuinely interested in other people's stories and he was a great listener. He never treated people as projects and he was easy to listen to and easy to trust. So for dad, the golf course was his harvest field for decades. And he tells of one encounter where his golfing friend for that day was eager and open to hear everything that dad had to say. It was just one of those divine appointments that many of us know about. After hearing all this truth about the love of God for the previous nine holes, the guy actually stopped in his backswing, dropped his club and says, are you trying to tell me that God will forgive every wrong I've ever done? And dad led that guy to Jesus that day. That kind of thing happened for 50 years with dad. Now, beyond reaching out on the golf course, Dad also gave his gifts in volunteering in some other local ministries, like Christian help, assisting folks that are down on their luck to get and keep better jobs. With Crown Ministries, he served, helping people with their personal finances. He was a discipler of young believers and young dads, and the list just goes on. I planted a new church in 2005, and Dad was a faithful member and an eager helper in that church. And I remember asking him if he had met a newer guy in the church, and I, when I mentioned the guy's name, he said, oh, sure, I met him a couple months ago. Yeah, we talked for a while. Matter of fact, for the last month, I've been meeting him on Thursday mornings, trying to help him learn how to balance work and family. So I'm like, okay, great. I had no idea, I'm the pastor of the church. I was totally clueless to the whole deal. But dad wasn't about fanfare or bringing attention to himself. He was just about people, other people. 50 years this went on. Well, father time is still batting a thousand and no human being is exempt. Dad is now almost 89 and nearing the end of his time on earth. 
and he's struggling greatly with his memory and like many it's just kind of slipping away. Life can be a cruel reality down here. And we all go and sit with dad regularly and talk about whatever and the workers that are there to help him, they see us. They have no earthly idea the significance of this man who lives among them. I've tried to tell them, but it doesn't land with them, not really. Since bowing the knee to Jesus 50 years ago, his influence cannot be calculated on earth. Only God really knows the ripple effect of Jack Kelly. Through his life and influence, my mom came to Jesus. All seven of us kids became followers of Jesus. All of us and our spouses in ministry at one point in time or another, including two full-time pastors, a Christian psychologist, Christian musicians, writers, ministry leaders, small group leaders, and more. It's still growing at full speed, multiplied exponentially in ways that we will never even know. Okay, I live in the real world, and I know that some might be watching or listening to this thinking, really, really, is there a little bit of embellishment to all this? I mean, how do you remember so well something that happened 50 years ago? I get it. It's a good story, and I might have a little doubt too. I mean, it was a long time ago. Except for one thing, except for one thing. We found the relic. No kidding. When Mom and Eileen were going through Dad's stuff not too long ago, they found the ticket to that golf banquet dated July 20th, 1971, 50 years ago this week. The ticket to the golf banquet with Kermit Zarley's signature on the back and John 316 right underneath it. Here it is. I mean, I carry it with me always. This is more precious to me than a winning lottery ticket, friends. That's how much this means to me. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Great oaks from tiny acorns grow. There is power in small steps of obedience to God. Those little things that God prompts you to do on the inside, those little steps of obedience, you never know the ripple effect of those decisions. I am here because of Kermit's step of obedience. He has no idea. Well, he had no idea. He knows now because I found him and I told him the story. The hundreds of people that I have led to the Lord over the years are tied back to that golf banquet in 1971. The thousands of people that my family has pointed to Jesus over the years are tied back to that golf banquet in 1971. The thousands of people that my dad personally led to Jesus over the last four or five decades are tied back to that golf banquet in 1971. And only God knows the exponential effect of how fruitful each one was with the others in their lives. Just ripple effect after ripple effect after ripple effect. Only God knows and only God has the power to ignite our little steps of obedience into something supernatural. So do you see how powerful this is, friends? Do you see how no step of obedience with God is insignificant? It's so easy to forget that, isn't it? Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows the human tendency to forget. He knows all about the pace of life and the challenges of life and the heartbreaks of life and how they slowly cause our attention to him to fade. And as our attention to him fades, so does our worship, so does our wonder, 
Over time, our hearts grow cold and our souls dry up. And before you know it, we're living beneath our privilege. We are children of Almighty God. We forget that we carry so much authority, so much power to change the lives of the people around us with God's help. I mean, pivotal, eternity-changing moments hang in the balance. And they don't always carry flashing lights and alarm bells. No, those critical crossroad moments look like pretty ordinary moments at the time. But make no mistake, God is there beckoning you, beckoning us to follow and to trust. Kermit Zarley, John 316 on a banquet ticket. Seems pretty innocuous on the surface. But because of his simple obedience in the smallest thing, it changed the lives and eternities of thousands of people, including this guy. Well, thanks for having me today. Thank you for listening. God bless you. I hope you have a great Sunday. Mm -hmm.